إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن سيدنا محمدا عبده ورسوله ونبيه وصفيه وحبيبه بلغ الرسالة وأدى الأمانة ونصح للأمة وجاهد في سبيل الله حتى أتاه اليقين وتركنا على المحجة البيضاء ليلها كنهارها لا يزيغ عنها إلا هالك فاللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد في الأولين وصل وسلم على سيدنا محمد في الآخرين وصل وسلم على سيدنا محمد في الملأ الأعلى إلى يوم الدين وصل وسلم على سيدنا محمد في كل وقت وحين وعلى آله الأطهار وعلى أصحابه الأخيار وعلى أتباعه الأبرار إلى يوم الدين يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن إلا وأنتم مسلمون يا أيها الناس اتقوا ربكم الذي خلقكم من نفس واحدة وخلق منها زوجها وبث منهما رجالا كثيرا ونساء واتقوا الله الذي تساءلون به والأرحام إن الله كان عليكم رقيبا يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم أعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يطع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما وبعد فإن أصدق الحديث كتاب الله وإن خير الهدي هدي سيدنا ومولانا رسول الله وإن شر الأمور لمحدثاتها فكل محدثة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار Alhamdulillah we have much to be grateful and thankful for in this month of Rabi' al-Awwal the month in which we commemorate and celebrate the birth of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam and traditionally the month of Rabi' al-Awwal and Rabi' al-Akhar don't say Rabi' al-Awwal and Rabi' al-Thani because that means and there's going to be a third that's a mistake we say Rabi' al-Awwal Rabi' al-Akhar Jamad al-Ula wa Jamad al-Akhar Etc. But in any case, traditionally the month of Rabia, Al-Awwal and Rabia Al-Akhar, we spend time remembering and focusing on the Prophet ﷺ. Like in the month of Ramadan, we focus on the Qur'an. In these two months, we focus on why we are grateful and why we celebrate and why we are joyous that we have been and blessed with the Prophet ﷺ. And while I hope in the month and the weeks to come, we will discuss the details, of course, in the time that we have, the short time that we have today, I want to provide maybe a framework for us of how we are to approach this event. And what does the milad of the Prophet ﷺ mean for us? And mean to us as a community and as individuals. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He has given assistance to all of the prophets by way of miracles. So part of the package of prophethood is that you have miracles. And usually those miracles are congruent with what that community needs, or the language that that community speaks. Language not like language, but language of sort of the things and the, the, the social mores and constructs of those people. So the easy example is that Moses 
was given the you know, magic with a capital M. But the uh, sorcerers and the wizards of Fir'aun, you know, they had magic with a lowercase m. So Moses' miracle outstripped what was common at that time. You know, that's usually an, an easy example to remember. But in any case, all of the MBA, part of the packages, they were given some sort of miracle or sets of miracles to help aid them in their task. Because the job of a prophet is a very hard job. No one wants to be the prophet. You don't apply for the job. It's given to you. And it's given to you, therefore you have to be given the tools to carry out God's work. And also part of the package of prophethood, by the way, is that there are also enemies. Every prophet had an enemy, or enemies, plural, that they had to struggle against. And then those miracles helped them with those enemies. Now of course we know that the prophet, our prophet wasallam, was given a plethora of miracles. There is one miracle that I want us to focus on today, which is the miracle of durability. If you look, for example, at the name of the Prophet itself, Muhammad, which in the Arabic language means the one who is praised often, at the time of the birth of the Prophet, وسلم, this was not a common name of the Arabs. It made sense, but it wasn't you know, popular like the other names that we hear about when we read the seerah. It certainly wasn't popular at the time with the people of Quraysh. And yet, in the first centuries of Islam, even though we love and we honor the Prophet, peace be upon him, it was not common that families would name their children after the Prophet ﷺ. And you ask, well, why? What happens when you have kids? You yell at them night and day. So you don't want to have kids running around the house named Muhammad, and you're yelling at Muhammad, and then you're thinking, I don't want to use the Prophet's name, yelling at my child for doing this, yelling at my child for doing that. And then a few generations later, they would name the children Muhammad, but they would put Muhammad, it would be Murakkab, it would be Muhammad uh, Ali, uh, Muhammad uh, Mustafa, Muhammad uh, something. They would put Muhammad or Ahmed or Taha or Yasin, one of the names of the Prophet, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, because he had many names, Al-Mahi, Al-Hashir, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. But they would join it with another name, so when they yell at them, they yell at them with the other name, and they leave Muhammad for when they're acting good. But now, there isn't anyone that you need, or any family that you need, except that they have somebody whose name is Muhammad. And then you read in the Qur'an, وَرَفَعْنَا لَكَ ذِكْرَكَ and you see that Allah Sa'ala promises the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam in revelation, that we have caused your name to be preserved, to be remembered, to be exalted. And now we see all of the people whose name is Muhammad, whether they be athletes, whether they be practicing Muslim or not practicing, whether they be black, whether they be white, whether they be yellow, whether they be brown, the name of Muhammad is on everyone's tongue as a reminder of the durability of the name of the Prophet ﷺ. Now we could have easily not done that. We could have said the Prophet is so holy we won't use his name. You don't have a lot of people in certain parts of the Christian world who are named Jesus. Then you have Jesus in the Latin world, but in the Western world that's not necessarily a common name. Or how many people have you met whose name is Aristotle? Or Plato? But we don't say that the lack of the names, these, by the way, Aristu is an Arabic or a Muslim name. You'll find families in the subcontinent whose name is Aristu as an honor that the Muslims had for 
antiquity. That's a, 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 a footnote. We, wouldn't have, we don't say that the fact that no one's name is Socrates or Pythagoras somehow diminishes from the genius that these people left. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, one of the miracles He gave Sayyidina Muhammad is the durability of his name. Look at the Prophet himself as a person where he is buried. There is no Prophet in the history of humanity that we know with certainty where they are buried except for Sayyidina Muhammad There are graves attributed to David and to Solomon and to Noah and to Moses and to Aaron to be sure throughout the world. But we don't know for certain if this is the grave of Moses or Abraham or Sarah or Isaac or Ismail even alayhim salam of course there is no grave attributed to Christ for reasons I hope you know or any of the other anbiya for certain except the grave of Sayyidina Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam so then when you go into the Quran and you, you read walau annahum idhalamu anfusakum ja'uk if they have wronged themselves they will come to you Allah, And they ask Allah for forgiveness. Rasul, And the Prophet asks for your forgiveness. Indeed you will find Allah most forgiving, most merciful. Tawab is sigal mubalagha. It is the rhetorical construct. Most forgiving. Now if you are a companion and you read this verse, you say, I know where the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is. I'm gonna, when this verse comes, if the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is in his home, or if he's out working, or if he's out visiting somebody, I know where I can go find him. But yet this verse remains valid after the passing of the Prophet ﷺ, which is a miracle of this verse in the Qur'an, because we all know where the Prophet is ﷺ. There is no dispute. Nobody, even amongst non-Muslims and historians, has ever disputed or questioned or wondered if this place in al Medina is the resting place of our beloved sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So were you to find yourself troubled and upset, you go get your visa, you get on a flight, and you go to al Medina, and you go after prayer in front of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and you ask Allah ta'ala for his forgiveness, and the Prophet ﷺ asks Allah for your forgiveness, you will find, guaranteed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala most compassionate, most merciful, most forgiving. The durability is part of the message of the Prophet ﷺ. Stemming from that, look at all of the artifacts that we have that are belong to the Prophet ﷺ. We have footprints of the Prophet ﷺ in Turkey and in Egypt and in God knows where we have hair beard hairs or hair head hair one two many that belong to the prophet sallallahu families that have them and mosques that have them and people that I know people that have them and they wear them as as necklaces Khalid ibn Walid radiyallahu anhu used to put the hair of the prophet sallallahu in his cap when he would march into battle the stick, the cane of the Prophet ﷺ, the swords of the Prophet ﷺ, the arrow, the bow and arrow of the Prophet ﷺ, the cup from which he used to make wudu and drink from ﷺ, even his blessed shirt ﷺ on display for everyone to see. We have these artifacts, numerous, 
And not once has somebody come and say, we don't know if this is a shirt, or we don't know if this is the stick, we don't know if this is the makhala, we don't know if the... No one's ever said this. But rather, thanks to the Ottomans, may Allah bless them, they were obsessed with gathering and collecting all of these artifacts of the Prophet ﷺ. That we have living proof of the objects and the, the things that the Prophet needs to eat with and wear and use as a direct connection to his person ﷺ. There are no other artifacts attributed to Christ or Abraham or Moses that we know with certainty. Even though the Ottomans also collected you know, the staff of Moses and the, the turban of Joseph. If you go to Topkapi Palace, you'll see these things on display. But we don't know for certain if these are the things that belong to these NBA. But we know with certainty that these are the things that belong to the Prophet ﷺ. And were you to be blessed to see the shirt of the Prophet ﷺ and to smell the shirt of the Prophet ﷺ, I swear by Allah I have been blessed by this, you will smell the scent of Sayyidina Muhammad ﷺ. The durability of the Prophet. But stemming from that to more cerebral matters, the message of the Prophet itself is durable. The Qur'an is preserved, not by our agency, but by Allah, إِنَّ نَحْنُ نَزَلْنَا ذِكْرُ وَإِنَّ لَهُ لَحَافِذُونَ That we take pride that the Qur'an that we have, there is no discrepancy between any manuscript that's written of the Qur'an in any century. No one has ever been able to prove it. No one has found a missing juz, a missing surah, a missing Qur'an, Oh, the Qur'an that we're reading, by the way, this is not the real Qur'an, there's a new... No one's ever found that. And all of the attempts of people to try to imitate the Qur'an have been foolish and, and been comical. Because these are not the words of human, this is not the words of the Prophet ﷺ, but this is the eternal and uncreated word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, kalamullah al-qadim. We can't imitate it, we can't make it up. And not just the Qur'an, but the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ has been preserved. Again, one of the miracles and the durability of the Prophet that what he said and how he acted, even his gestures, there are some hadith that we narrate with the gesture that the Shaykh will say to you, I shake your hand the way that the Prophet ﷺ shook my hand because that's how the hadith is narrated physically. So the Shaykh will shake your hand this way or that way and you are reminded that you are shaking a hand that shook a hand, that shook a hand, that shook a hand, that shook a hand of the Prophet ﷺ. Or hadiths that are narrated by smiling, or hadiths that are narrated by wrapping the turban, or hadiths that are narrated by eating a date. All of this is an enactment, a reenactment of the actual life of the Prophet ﷺ with certainty, without any doubt. The durability of his message. And then even more higher than that is the durability of his character. You are upon a vast character, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says. Not that you have vast character, you are on top of it, you are the definition of beauty, of love and perfection, which is why in our literature we refer to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam as an insan al-kamil, the perfect human being. He has manifested to us the maximum capacity that a person, man or woman can achieve in the human condition. And this has been preserved for us. We have no doubt in how he looked, 
even how he smelled was been described. We have no doubt in his length, his, uh, the size of his eyelashes, how many gray beards he had, how he smiled, how he laughed, how he slept, how he ate, how he dealt with his people, how he dealt with his family, how he dealt with his enemies. All of this has been preserved. The durability of Sayyidina Muhammad is the greatest miracle that we have. And this durability stands as a challenge to those who try to criticize it. If we go back to what we discussed, there were people at the time of the Prophet that tried to make fun of his name. They would call him Mudhamman, the cursed one. And when the Sahaba said, look, they're calling you Mudhamman, he said, oh, they're making fun of some guy named Mudhamman, but my name is Muhammad. Boom, problem gone. Has, do we have any? Do, who is the person that said this? I don't know. I don't even care. I just know the hadith that the Prophet responded that way. Who is this person in the, in the surah whose, whose nasl, whose progeny has been cut off? There are like nine, ten opinions amongst the ulama. We don't even know. You see the, the power, the miracle of the Qur'an. The Qur'an says that this person that criticizes the Prophet his progeny will be cut off. And historically, we don't even know who that person was. The grave of the Prophet during the crusades, two crusaders, they came to Medina, they had this very wise plan. They said, we're going to steal the body of Muhammad, and we're going to <laughs> ransom it for Jerusalem. Well, they didn't get very far as the conclusion of the story. They were, their, their plot was foiled. Actually, a very miraculous story, now is not the time, but it involves the great Syrian uh, Sultan, Nur al-Din al-Zanki who had a reoccurring dream of the Prophet ﷺ, who told him, come and save me, come and save me. So because he had this dream, one night, two night, three night, four night, he said, something must be wrong. He took his people, they went to Medina, and they found these crusaders, disguised as Moroccans, sorry, I don't know why, but that's what they were disguised, disguised as Moroccans, no offense to, maybe because Moroccans are fair-skinned, and some of them are blue-eyed, you know, the Berber blood that they have. And they tried to dig a hole, from their hut into the grave and steal the body of the Prophet ﷺ. Meaning they knew with certainty that this was the grave of the Prophet ﷺ. And they were caught. The Prophet's artifacts, no one has been able to steal. There's no quest for the, the holy object that belongs to Sayyidina Muhammad ﷺ. That's a mythical, reoccurring story in the literature of Islam. We don't have that. We don't have the search for the holy grail or the, you know, the, the shroud. Uh, or that, that Mary was wearing or that Christ was wearing. We don't have that because there's no dispute because no one has stolen these objects but they were preserved and protected and passed generation from generation. The Qur'an. There's no... No one has, has attempted successfully to imitate the Qur'an or to make us doubt the Qur'an. I'm saying with success there are Muslims that have doubts. And they say, oh, we heard about the satanic verses and gharaniq and all of these things. And yeah, well, we are all in that. We dealt with these things. But en masse, we don't, we don't have it. Nobody stands and reads the Qur'an with a surah that you've never heard before. Or no one has come to you with a hadith that no one's ever narrated before. Even the hadith that were made up, the forged hadith, the mawdu hadith, we have them cataloged. And the character of the Prophet how he lived, how he looked, how he smelled, all of these things have been preserved despite any attempt for anyone to criticize them, to steal them, to thwart them, to distort them. The durability of the Prophet 
وسلم, is a framework that we must understand to see why therefore we are so happy when this occasion comes that we celebrate the Prophet Allah Ta'ala tells us about, about the Prophet وسلم, about following the Prophet peace be upon him قُلْ إِن كُنْتُمْ تُحِبُّونَ اللَّهِ فَاتَّبِعُونِي يُحْبِبْكُمُ اللَّهِ If you love Allah, follow me, Allah will love you. So therefore, following the Prophet, peace be upon him, stems from something which is, which is greater than that, which is love itself. And then when you read in the hadith about love of the Prophet, لَا يُؤْمِنُ أَحَدُكُمْ As is narrated in Bukhari, Muslim and others, لَا يُؤْمِنُ أَحَدُكُمْ حَتَّى أَكُونَ أَحَبَّ إِلَيْهِ مِنْ وَالِدِهِ وَوَلَدِهِ وَالنَّاسِ أَجْمَعِينَ That no one of you, none of you truly believes until I am more beloved to you than everybody, your parents and your children and your own self. So love is preceded by faith. So this is a conversation for people that have faith. لَقَدْ كَانَ لَكُمْ فِي رَسُولِ اللَّهِ أُسْوَةٌ حَسَنَةٌ Indeed, in the Messenger of Allah is a great example, but Allah qualifies that, لِمَنْ كَانَ يَرْجُ اللَّهَ وَالْيَوْمَ الْآخِرِ وَذَكَرَ اللَّهَ كَثِيرًا For the person that worships Allah, knows that they will meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and mention Allah frequently. If all you want is a sweet life now, you're not going to find the Prophet on your example. If you want the good life, without the good afterlife, then you're not going to find the Prophet to be your example you're going to see him to be the opposite. Because he would give and he would give and he would give. Without saying no. Without worrying. Leaving his family, there would be nights and weeks in which the fire, meaning the oven in our language, was not lit in the house of the Prophet ﷺ. Meaning they did not have food. Why? Because he would give and he would give and he would give. With all you worry about is amassing your wealth and your empire and all of the widgets and the cogs and the things of this world then the Prophet ﷺ is not going to be your example. But if you understand that this world will lead to the hereafter, then he's your example. So this is a conversation of faith. And from this faith comes love. And then from the love comes following and obedience to the Prophet ﷺ. The people that criticize the Mawlid, they have no love. And do not understand the th- what we have just discussed. They do not understand that were we to reflect on how amazing the Prophet was, وسلم, we would do this every day. Every day we would be grateful for the Prophet. And I conclude with this story that's narrated in Bukhari that involves the scene of the birth of the Prophet, peace be upon him. When the Prophet, when Amina, gave birth to the Prophet ﷺ, there were a couple of people that were present. Of the people that were present, was a slave girl named Fuwayba. And Fuwayba was the slave of the Prophet's uncle, Abu Lahab. When Amina gave birth, and Alhamdulillah was a healthy boy, and they're very excited, she ran to Abu Lahab to tell him, uh, you have a new nephew. And Abu Lahab was so happy that he freed Thuwaybah. But in, in the Qur'an, 
Doesn't doesn't it say Tabat Yada Abi Lahabin Wutab? I mean he's you know he's stuck. Abu Lahab got, got stuck with this situation that in his lifetime he was damned to the hellfire. So one of his relatives, the hadith, the story continues in Bukhari, dreamt of him after he died. And he said in his dream, What happened to you? He said, I'm in the hellfire, as you know, but every Monday Allah Ta'ala gives me a little sip of water as a relief. And as a reward that I freed Fuwaybah on the day in which the Prophet ﷺ was born. Even though this is a person who is like the arch enemy of the Prophet ﷺ, the arch enemy of Islam, to curse and to criticize his happiness from the milad of the Prophet. See, not just his happiness with the Prophet, but his happiness specifically with the milad of the Prophet ﷺ is a source of his lessening of his punishment. Every Monday, because the Prophet ﷺ was born on a Monday. So Hafid al-Araqi, who is one of the great uh, hadith scholars of Islam, he said in, in a poem form, he said, if this is a kafir whose damnation in the hellfire is attested in the Qur'an, and we know from Bukhari that every Monday his punishment is lessened because of his happiness with the Prophet. How about the Muslim who is a monotheist, who is practicing their Islam and every day is happy with the Prophet ﷺ. That the happiness that we have on this occasion is to celebrate everything that we've just discussed, is to celebrate this model of excellence, of beauty, of compassion, of love, of mercy. The Prophet said, I am a merciful gift. I have not sent you except as a mercy to mankind. I was only sent to refine human character. This is what we're celebrating. As a reminder of the obedience that we have to have, that stems from the love that we have to have, from the faith that we have to have in Sayyidina Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. أَقُولُ قَوْلِ هَذَا وَاسْتَغْفُرُ اللَّهُ وَلِيُّ وَلَكُمْ فَاسْتَغْفُرُوا إِنَّهُ وَالْغَفُورُ الرَّحِيمُ أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم صل وسلم وبارك على سيدنا وقدوتنا وقرة أعيننا سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم. So there were a few deaths this last week, and I'll I'll t- I will mention the names, but inshallah out of respect for those and the families, uh, after Juma we will do. Uh, Salatul Ghaib will do a Janazah prayer for the for the deceased, and this is in no particular order. But I have all of the papers here. So the first I want to mention is um, Ramazan Guru in Kashmir, who is the father of Yusuf Guru and father-in-law of Asya Yulin, who, who actually has frequented the mosque many times. He has recently passed away in Kashmir, so we ask Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala uh, for his uh, forgiveness and may the passing be an ease for the family. Of course, we, we heard about before, but the mother of Sister uh, Lala, uh, who died in Mali. Uh, so our prayers are for the deceased, inshallah, and for Sister Lala and the family and the kids, the grandkids. Also, uh, the mother of Jamal uh, Qadr, I don't know if he's here, but his mother, uh, Sister Hajjah Maimuna, uh, Qadr died in Sierra Leone. And I, I, spe- I particularly feel very close to this lady, even though I've never met her, because they gave me a will that their father left them many years ago. And because it was written in Arabic, I spent a lot of time with Jamal and his brothers 
you know, disciples, and he explained to me all of the family, and who has, I feel very close, you know, even though I don't, I've never met them. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for their mercy on all of the deceased. Uh, Dr. Nuruddin Kirchner uh, in Maryland passed away yesterday. Um, and of course, I'm sure all of you heard that Dr. Suleiman Yang of Howard University has also passed, and he had a janaz, I believe it was Wednesday at Iswa. And the Prophet ﷺ told us that the ulama, that those that have dedicated their life to study of, of Islam, the, these are the inheritors of the Prophet. So to study any form of Islam, history, sociology, sharia, this is a part of the inheritance of the Prophet ﷺ. And Dr. Nyang is, you know, I, growing up he was obviously a, a legend uh, for me. I didn't have the honor of studying with him, but of course I know of him and of his work. And many of young scholars in this area and, and actually throughout the country who have studied Islam were influenced by Dr. Nyang. So we'll also pray Janazah for him and then all of the people that I have just mentioned. Um, Sister Ruxana, uh, Dr. Akhira Rahman's wife is very ill in the hospital. So we're making dua for her recovery. Uh, the father of Zabida Yusuf has died in Ethiopia. So we make dua. Sorry, f- sorry, I forgot to mention that one as well. So all of these people keep them in your mind when we uh, pray the janazah uh, after the prayer. Uh, just a quick announcement before the dua. Tonight's halakha is at 7 p.m. Uh, that's with me. And then Sunday morning with Tarif at 6 a.m. Uh, Thanksgiving will be held in the mosque on Thursday. If you think Thanksgiving is bid'ah, don't come. If you want to eat turkey, you can come. The details of Thanksgiving are going to be on the newsletter. I can't come on Thursday because we have our own family tradition. So I, I, I'm very much a proponent of Thanksgiving. So my, my absence does not mean that it's bid'ah. There will be a seniors meeting on December the 2nd, and then we will hold the Maulid celebration in the mosque on December the 3rd. All of the details will be uh, in the calendar. And then lastly is we have another interfaith Thanksgiving event that will be Tuesday, November 20th, this coming Tuesday at 7.30 at uh, St. Francis Episcopal Church in Potomac, which is the church right down here in Potomac Village. Uh, I will be representing uh, the community, and uh, I think some of you came last year. We talk about you know gratitude and thanksgiving from our uh, faith traditions, and there's a we put together baskets, food baskets at the end, so it's also, we do the the ceremony, but then we also pack the food at the end for that will be distributed, I believe, to Mana Foods. So if you can come, bring your children as well. It's you know good community service uh, for the children. That being said, we ask Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala for His forgiveness and mercy on all of the deceased. We ask Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala to make us true followers of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. We ask Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala to have mercy and to bless our parents and to have mercy on our children and to forgive those who have passed before us. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to help our businesses and to protect our schools and to protect our children and to protect our mosques. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for His relief for all of the Muslims that are suffering, the, the Uyghur Muslims of China, the Rohingya, uh, the Syrian and the migrants, uh, and all people that are suffering, whether of any faith they may be, because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said for us that the the dua of the oppressed person, there is no veil between this dua and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala without any faith. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to help those that are oppressed and to Allah ta'ala to give us victory over ourselves and to give us victory over the oppressor. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us safe in these coming weeks in which many of our children will be home on holiday. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bless us and to forgive us 
and to make us true people of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Allahumma hadina fi man hadayt, wa afina fi man afayt. Allahumma tawallana fi man tawallayt, wa barik lana fi ma aatayt, wa qina wa asrif anna sharra ma qadayt. Allahumma ghfir lana zinubana, wa israfana fi amrina, wa thabit aqdamana, wa zurna ala al-qawm al-kafirin. Allahumma nqinna min daairati sakhatik ila daairati ridaak, wa aftah alayna futuha al-arifina bik. اللهم احشرنا تحت لواء نبيك صلى الله عليه وسلم يوم القيامة واسقنا من يده الشريبة شربة ماء ما نظمأ بعدها أبدا ثم دخلنا الجنة بغير حساب ولا سابقة عقاب ولا عتاب ومتعنا بالنظر إلى وجهك الكريم في جنات الخلد يا رحيم فاللهم ارحم حينا وميتنا وحاضرنا وغائبنا وارفع أيد الأمم عنا وأقمنا بالحق وأقم الحق بنا وارزقنا اتباع المصطفى صلى الله عليه وسلم في الأقوال والأفعال والأحوال وآخر دعوانا أن الحمد لله رب العالمين وصل اللهم على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم وأقم الصلاة إن الصلاة كانت على المؤمنين كتابا موقوتا الله أكبر الله أكبر أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله أشهد أن محمدا رسول الله حيا على الصلاة حيا على الفلا قد قامت الصلاة قد قامت الصلاة الله أكبر الله أكبر لا إله إلا الله